podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me from Weasley's Wizarding Weezes down on Diagon Alley, it's your co-host, Nick Richardson. It's actually pronounced Diagon Alley. Well, no, that's how you end up in Nocturne Alley. Don't do not do diagonally. Dude, Nocturne Alley's fucking dope. You put some respect on that name. So look, when we went to Harry Potter World in Orlando, in Orlando, <laughs> Nocturne Alley is way cooler than, like, the Hogsmeade setup. Like, they got the Morgan and Burks there. There's a lot of cool shit there. You can get Lucius Malfoy's snake walking stick with the wand in it, Ooh. which, like, Lucius Malfoy's an asshole, but that's a badass prop. That's a sweet pimp can. Yeah. I haven't gotten it yet, but maybe next time we go. <laughs> Counts like I got four of them. One's fucking super no, I got, plated. I got a bunch of other stuff. Nice. Spent my money elsewhere. I got a sweet Horcrux ring. Got a uh, got a wand. All that good stuff. I got these sweet wizard drugs. No, I didn't get wizard. <laughs> I can't do, like, I don't dress up. I'm sorry. Like, to the people who do, that's fine. Do it. I can't do it. First of all, it's fucking hot. And I'm not wearing these big ass robes around everywhere. Oh. Second of all, like I just, I just want to wear a t-shirt and shorts. I don't want to wear anything else ever. Well, so. you are in Florida. Yeah. Dressing up can be fun, just not in Florida. I, I, I don't even like Halloween. I don't dress up. It's just not my thing. That's all right. So today we're not talking about everything I bought at Harry Potter World. We are actually talking about well, we're giving out Harry Potter movie superlatives. Finally. So this is yes. It's been three years. It's finally time to do Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> once a month, we set out to give some made-up awards to movies that fall into some specific category. And this month, it's Harry Potter and the overall wizarding world. So we've got ten movies to choose from there. Uh, what, what we do is we give out the best and worst versions of five different awards as our own kind of personal dundies here. It's a dundee! Yeah, we should have come up with like a name for these trophies. I mean, everybody gets one. It's all participation-based, yeah, bitches. That's true. Just make a movie that falls in one of these categories, and, and you get a you get a something. What would our trophy be? A, a, a something. Just a pile of like random bits of action figures. Yeah. Like, yeah, all yeah that's pretty much it. The fuck is melted, this? Melted it, together. It's something. <laughs> so like I said, we've been doing this for about three years since August of 2018. So there are about 33 other movies for episodes you can go back and listen to if you like this one. You're just going to have to search through our feed. There's one every month. See which ones you like, don't like, pick those. Um, and what we do is we can't give out more than one award to a single movie, and we can't give multiple movies the same award. I finally figured out how to say that. I was actually typing it out for the first time today, and I think in the last 30 or so episodes, I've never said it completely or correctly. So I, I got it today. <laughs> more than one award. But yeah, can nope. we not pick the same movie for worst? No. Hmm. Just want to clarify. We that got there. ten movies to choose from. Some of these we are usually fucking try not booty to. ass yeah. fucking movies. So. <laughs> we we try not to pick the same movie for the succulatives as we call the the worst versions of these things. Uh, but we look the other way also on giving out succulatives. But I used all ten movies for separate awards, so I'm better than you apparently. We'll just go with that. <laughs> We're better than you, and we know it. <laughs> So, like I said, giving these out to Harry Potter and the Wizarding World, the Wizarding World is the world from Harry Potter, created by J.K. Rowling, first appearing in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and 
it's just kind of been growing in popularity and in scope ever since what was that 1997 oh uh, yeah yeah if I you mean, don't know what it is like that's on you at this point and i don't know why you're listening to this i might even call you a bit of a bum yeah i mean everybody knows harry potter i remember waiting in line at the fucking bookstore to get like the fifth through seventh books <sighs> i never went that far like i enjoyed them i there was a girl read... there so that was very oh, yeah helpful. that helps i was like hey because the first one i was late on because like a bunch of people were reading it and then i was like all right i'll give it a try and i did and then i read like the next through five as they came out but i was never like i never pre-ordered i never waited outside the store i just waited till i could get it probably usually got it for my birthday because i think they came would come out in like july or august and my birthday's in october so it was like i would just wait till then um and then i didn't read the sixth and seventh until the movies were about to come out it's too bad i'm glad i did well i'm glad i read them before the movies came out well maybe not maybe i would have liked the movies better if i didn't uh yeah i don't know the books were i always read them first and they were just really fucking good yeah they are they're very good we we enjoy the wizarding world here and uh as for who harry potter is he is the chosen one of the wizarding world he's the boy who lived been prophesied to bring an end to the dark lord voldemort uh he starts out living with an abusive aunt and uncle until his 11th birthday when he receives his letter from hogwarts and the opportunity to embark on his journey into the wizarding world by attending hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry if you need more than that i think you're in the wrong place that's not what we're here for we're not here to teach you about harry potter today we're here to give out some awards to the movies so if you don't know who harry potter is go read the books then watch the movies then then come right back here yeah just come on back yeah it should only take you like a day or two to read all seven books watch all 10 movies be back here i mean if you're fucking cool it will only take you a day at least at least minimum uh so we have had uh four previous harry potter episodes we've done a podcast about the philosopher's stone as a magical and real world artifact that was back in october of 2018 that's episode 29 with the vcr kids we did a podcast about horcruxes that was in december of 2018 episode 39 again with the vcr kids this is all before nick came on board uh so then we did a podcast about argus filch uh which was july of 2019 yeah that was a lot of fun looking into filch and i've got some more filch thoughts as we go through these movies today Uh, That was episode 70, and then we did, not too long ago, a podcast about the Pensive, again, as a magical artifact. That was in September 2020, episode 123. So if you want more Harry Potter, we've got it. It's back there. Go listen to it. Boom. Boom. Uh, All eight Harry Potter movies qualify, and the two Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movies qualify. That way we got to an even 10, and we could technically give out an award to each movie without repeat seeing try oh i did don't worry i had some i had some trouble because i have i have thoughts about a lot of these oh well that's the whole point yes it's supposed to be troubling if it was easy then we would just do fucking time travel movies again yeah that's fair i don't think you were here for time travel movies either i don't think before your time it's before your time idiot (laughs) (laughs) So we will be giving out for the awards today. We're giving out best and worst defense against the dark arts teacher. Every book slash movie has a new defense against the dark arts teacher because the position is cursed. 
and they have to have a new one every year. So a lot of they vary in ability to teach and uh, learn. Sanity from. as Sanity. well. Sanity. There we go. There's that. Bitchiness. <laughs> Snape by far the bitchiest. I yeah, he's so good. He's God. Uh, best Alan and worst. Alan was a fucking treasure. Yeah, he was. He really was. Uh, we're giving out the best and worst use uh, of magic by a wizard or witch. So that's just like single spell or thing that they did with magic that one person did throughout, you know, all these movies that was just like, oh, that's fucking cool. That's what we want to do there. Uh, the best and worst magical artifact slash magical creature. So it could be either an artifact or a creature there. You know, I went ahead and I picked both, but there's some overlap okay. in movies. Yeah, so I was I was going through and like through the first three, I'm like, yeah, there's some good stuff, but like, we don't get to talk about the creature. Like, I didn't include anything for the Fantastic Beasts of this world, so I was like, let me throw that in there, in, into a, kind of a double category here. We can we can discuss creatures and artifacts there because they uh, kind of fall hand in hand. They do. Uh, the best and worst evil plan, either by Voldemort or Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beast movies, just anybody who's out there trying to do Harry harm or any good people harm i guess the jacks and then we've got the best and worst win for harry potter now that doesn't really include the fantastic beast movie because he's not in those yeah not yet (laughs) show up by the fifth one yeah but dumbledore is there and he knows harry so yeah there's a so everything youngledore does is technically a win to get to harry He knows the future, bro. He's sure. fucking Yunkledore. And he's so handsome. He is. Jude Law. He could get it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so ready to give out some awards. Dude, fuck yeah. Alright. Let's start with <laughs> the best right. defense against the dark arts teacher. Uh, I go first here. With Prisoner of Azkaban and Remus J. Lupin. That dude! Oh, yeah. That this is... was a pretty tough decision. Nay. Nay, there's, sir. There's like two good ones and five bad ones. So the, the worst was actually harder here. Uh, but Lupin, he teaches students a lot, even though he's got these frequent breaks where he goes and, he's a were- and is a werewolf from time to time. Uh, he teaches them how to defeat Boggarts and Dementors. Both of those things are going to come incredibly handy later in the series. Uh, he's a werewolf, but he's also a great teacher. And, you know, you can be both things. You know, it's the duality of man, literally. He's just such yeah. a soft-spoken guy, too. And he helps everyone with their confidence. He's a, he's like a genuinely good teacher. Yeah, he's, he's exactly. Like, yeah. And that that's something that a lot of these other ones, even like somebody like uh, Barty Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye Moody, like he he's a good teacher. He teaches them how to fight the dark arts. He teaches them how to use some of the dark arts as well. Oh, hell he's yeah. Not, he's not there as a mentor at all, really. No, he's there as a piece of shit. Yeah. Whole different story there. Yeah. So, that, that, I mean, Lupin, he helps everybody defend themselves, but he, he seemed to actually care for the kids and tried to keep them safe at all costs. And also, I just want to point out the, the scene where they're in the Whomping Willow. Uh, Sirius is finally there. Snape comes in. The chemistry between Gary Oldman, David... Thulis, I believe is how you pronounce it, and Alan Rickman is just absolutely phenomenal. It's unreal. Uh, they they feel like with Thulis and Gary Oldman, they feel like they're these the old high school buddies, and that they have this adversarial relationship with Alan Rickman that that that's actually been there in the actors' lives for their whole lives. It 
that that scene like because I watch most of these movies because I've seen them before many times so I watched them while I was working and doing other things but like when that happened I just kind of stopped everything and was like I gotta I gotta watch these three just be absolutely captivating for five minutes well to be fair Gary Oldman has that chemistry with like nearly everyone I've never yeah. seen a movie that he doesn't have like wicked good chemistry with everybody oh what movie did I watch the other day with him in it my wife and I watched something you know, you oh, it be... was um, it's a Netflix movie. It's called The Lady and the Woman in the Window. It's got Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, some other people. It's not good. Uh, he didn't have very good chemistry with anyone in that, but he was barely in it. And yeah, it was a very strange movie. I mean, he had chemistry with Batman, so that's true. That's saying something. But yeah, I I agree. That is one of the in a good movie overall that is probably the best series of events that like 15 minutes as -hmm. it goes through and that's like you know the cross your t and dot your i of that 15 10 minutes that didn't make sense i i I understood you uh who did you have for what did you have lupin too i did have lupin as well mostly because uh i think he for, for everything you said he's a fantastic character played by a fantastic actor i almost said author um and not an author you know reading the books prior to the movies it was something that it was so neat to see him basically like lifted from the goddamn page and put into a movie that's that's really a rare thing and he just you know he's a hinge point he's at all all points in this fucking movie that in this book that really matter like you said he taught him how to defeat boggarts and summon patronuses but i think the best thing he did was for you know his little talk on the bridge with harry when they're uh i don't know he's basically talking about his mom and dad in a good way whereas pretty much everyone else has just been shit talking his parents as like not the greatest of people and uh well yeah the only other recollections he has of them are from petunia and uh, not Dudley, uh, Vernon, and uh, you know Dumbledore gets a little bit in there, but Snape gets a lot more. So here's a lot more shit about them than good stuff. And so well, it, it was like you said to have Lupin there to kind of teach Harry about how good his parents actually were. It, to contrast what Snape has been kind of feeding him for the last three years is is really helpful, I think, to Harry's growth and probably a big reason why Dumbledore brought him in, anyways. Yeah, I think it it kind of it set him down a path to be more of an individual because he's always been told he looks he's got his eyes like his mom and he looks just like his dad and most people are telling him how much of a piece of shit they are <laughs> or they're just like not the greatest of people more so his dad than his yeah, than dad. his mom and I think that that helped you know kind of shake the mold be, you know I've seen that with someone I know where they're they look just like their dad and they got shit on because their dad did a a bad thing or was known for a bad thing and uh you know hearing a couple good things about him really helped shake him out of the mold and that was cool to see yeah they they framed lupin very well in uh the prisoner of azkaban movie the only thing i didn't like is is when they're doing the bogger it they uh when he steps in front of harry because he thought harry was going to see voldemort it it did too good of a job of like showing that it's the moon and I guess they didn't really give too many hints that he's a werewolf and all of that, so they they had to be a little more heavy-handed. But in the book, it's it's more it. Ron thinks it's a crystal ball that he's a, afraid of, and that was right when they started divination, also. So their crystal balls are kind of heavy in their head, 
but like in the movie it's very much a moon with clouds around it and you're like oh okay there's something going on with this guy right away whereas in the book you you really don't get that it gets laid out much more slowly i think which is better in a book but maybe you can't do that in the movie it was a lot more ambiguous like it just wasn't so defined mm-hmm. if that makes sense it was, yeah uh, it in the movie it's just like boom this, this yeah here's a, a full, here's a full right, moon yeah yeah, super and then bright. In the very next scene, Snape's gonna be in here talking about. Uh, we're gonna Fucking skip werewolves. all your lessons, go right right to werewolves. Three hundred and ninety-four. Uh, so the last note I have on Prisoner of Azkaban, and and I gotta say it here because I don't know where else I'm gonna talk about it, uh, because this we'll is our Prisoner of Azkaban discussion. In at least in the movie, I don't remember the book well enough because I haven't read it in a few years. Filch is asked to search all of the paintings in Hogwarts to find the fat lady when Sirius Black scared her off. So, again, don't remember if if that actually happened in the books or if that's just something in the movie, but this kind of further lends credence to the theory that we discussed back in our Argus Filch episode that Filch is kept around Hogwarts because he, at the very least, understands how magical paintings work and can repair them. Like, why just ask Filch to go search? Why isn't why aren't all the teachers going out there to search? You know, why is it just Filch? Because I know he's the castle bitch, but like, <laughs> other people can help look. Nah, they're like serious blacks here. Fuck the Filch, get him, get out yeah. there. We don't care if you fucking get sliced, you bitch. But I think yeah, he has that. Uh, he knows where everybody's at, and that was just not a, a great one. Oh, she's right there. Like oh fucking yeah. how nifty. She's around. just conspicuously quiet this whole time. Yeah, and they completely excluded like the uh, the knight painting guy that takes over for him and is just a complete doofus, which I always thought that was really fun in the book. But you know, whatever, that's fine. I'm not too worried that he didn't make the cut, really. I gotta say, Prisoner of Azkaban was one of the best uh, iterations of the Harry Potter universe on on film. I think, like, it did really well moving the story along with like a bunch of just you know, magical shit, the stairs moving all the time and. I don't know. It's just cool. Was I might disagree, you. but we're going to have that conversation later. Bitch! You don't ever disagree with me. Let's move to the worst defense against the Dark Arts teacher. Again, I go first here. Chamber of Secrets, Gilderly, Gildery Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart. Gilderoy, hmm. thank you. Hmm. Kenneth Branagh is fantastic as he's Lockhart. He's so good. I hate him But so Lockhart much. is such a fucking tool in this movie. <laughs> he's a boob. Uh, like the smallest bit of danger he freaks out and runs away and i just think you need more out of someone that you entrust to teach kids literally how to defend themselves against the dark arts and when he's not running away from danger he's actively putting the entire school in danger with every single decision he makes so he's so dumb fuck gilderoy lockhart oh do i know you <laughs> i fucking love he is so good yeah kenneth Branagh is great uh, but it's what not is- about the actor it's about the character and yeah. Lockhart sucks. He is not a good teacher. He is not a good person. He is not a good wizard, except with memory charms. So fuck him. He literally in da- he's a fraud. He's like yep. I mean he's a grifter. He's yep. got oh, tiny 100%. fucking hands, and I think he might have a comb over. Yeah, I mean the parallels are endless. I think <laughs> his hair is shit. But anyway, yeah, I just I I hate that stuck up fucking bullshit how he's like making harry sign his fan mail and stuff like isn't this great uh it's like no it fucking sucks asshole did, did you have somebody else for worst defense against the dark arts teacher i did i Figured. originally had gilderoy lockhart 
um, because of every literally everything you said. But I decided to go with Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, that I mean that's the obvious pick here, right? She must not tell lies. No, she sucks. I wonder how. I wish someone would have like bewitched her, you know, that she couldn't lie or she had that fucking pen and was just like, "Are you a a c word?" And it's just like. <laughs> scratches in her hand like oh son of a bitch or like Hermione pulls the uh so that's the one in the book when they all do Dumbledore's army she whoever squeals on them she like makes pimples break out in their head that say squealer or, or taller or something right she, Hermione should have done some shit like that to Umbridge I mean I guess getting raped by uh centaurs is is kind of the same but you know whatever Poof. poor thing <laughs> Yeah, she sucks. That is, that's uh, dark, man. That is fucking dark. I can't believe she put that in that fucking book. So I mean, she's carried off by centaurs, and centaurs are, uh, I guess, mythologically known for... Like, raping the shit raping, out of people. Yeah, raping the shit out of people. So, yeah, it, it, you, you put two and two together, you get four there. Well, I'm pretty and sure she, like, heavily implied that she got shagged by she the... She was definitely shaken up when we see her again in Deathly Hollows. It takes a lot to shake up that old bag. And she she's bad, but I don't think she's a terrible teacher. She's a bad person. But she does, I mean, she takes them through the book. She doesn't do any practical testing, which, you know, that's one thing I think Defense Against the Dark Arts you actually need. Uh, but it's all book learning. She actually prepares them for the test. She's not the worst teacher, you know. She's the worst person ever. But as far as a teacher goes, she's she's getting them through the material. <laughs> that's why I couldn't pick her over Lockhart who like is not getting them through the material and making them learn less and putting them in danger I know you've killed several people but god damn it the, I aced this test exactly and that's thanks to you prof <laughs> they got good grades on their OWLs that's all that matters I always thought that was a great acronym yeah that's good oh all right, so let's move to the best use of magic by Witcher Wizard. You go first here. This one I had a little tougher time going with, and then it hit me like a freight train because it was the only moment I thought, you know, that's actually a solid, was in uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to oh. Find Them, when Newt releases his Thunderbird and dispenses disperses a potion as rainfall over so the much. city. Hear me out, though corny as fuck but it makes sense it, it makes sense make sense dude that is so i mean that's how do you control it like how do you control what people are forgetting hey now that's and how long dude, does the rain you're last? asking you're asking too many questions what if people are inside exactly <laughs> what i but I, what I just looked at it and i was like you know that's at least a really solid way of getting mass like i forget what the spell is called oblivion oblivion yeah yeah Jeez. Uh, basically to just erase a bunch of people's minds and totally fucking nuke their brains. It's I think it's a solid way. So I mean, but the Obliviate spell is much more precise. You have to like you're searching for specific memories or you're you're doing it at a specific time where they forget a specific thing. And this is just like we're just gonna rain on you for a week and whatever you remember, you remember. Whatever you forget not our problem you can forget all of it but you can't go yeah. to every person and just obliviate them in fucking london there's a shitload of people there it was in new york but yeah no I, I agree with you there I, yeah i don't know i don't know that there's a better way to do it 
I think it's the most cost effective. Well, definitely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you guys just forget the last week. Nothing happened. Don't worry about that. Are you just going to walk into a movie theater like, hey, everyone up here, look at me. Yeah, where's the uh, Men in Black Neuralizer? At least there they got to give them new memories. This is just like you guys are just going to forget for an indeterminate amount of time. Man, that'd be super weird. Well, you know, and every person. Work. That... I'm going to go on my Kowalski rant right now because I, I don't have a good place for it. That How the only... fuck does that work? Because he comes back in the next movie and now he remembers things because apparently Newt told him that he only forgets the bad things and he didn't have any bad memories. But that's bullshit because Newt didn't tell him that. I went back and double-checked, triple-checked that Newt ever says anything like that, that you only forget the bad things. Doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, no, I'm here, and I didn't forget anything because I didn't think anything was bad. And so why can't that be applied to literally everyone else in New York City? You don't think anybody else didn't think what was going on was bad? They just thought it was cool as shit? So now those people didn't forget anything? Dog, that's that's New why York, I have problems. Is, is they all of a sudden they broke their rules in like the first... 20 minutes of the next movie that they set in the last five minutes of the previous movie that movie was literally written for controversy i think there's I, so much stupid bullshit that, Ugh, but the, so that that's movie. that's the stupidest of the stupidest in my mind because they had so many other avenues to go with kowalski they could have a they know he's going to be in in more movies so just don't obliviate him at all right it's having be the could, one guy inside yeah, they and it's could. New York, dude. Everybody's miserable. Well, he he was inside during the battle and everything, and they made him walk outside at the end. And it's just like, don't make him do it. Uh, Queenie is a skilled agilimans. She could have, like, fed him back his memories or some bullshit. They could have made it up. Like, there's a million things you can make up with magic that, that don't break the rules that you just set that he's walking out in the rain literally to forget. And instead, you're just like, nah, fuck that. We didn't say that. Get that fatty out there. I, I, got, I got big problems with specifically that scene. I like a lot of things in Crimes of Grindelwald. Not that. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like that movie, but I'll 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 talk more about why I like it when we actually get to that movie. But this fit here because you said that was a good use of magic, and I strongly disagree. I fucking strongly disagree, bro. But I also don't have a better answer of how you wipe the minds of a whole fucking city. There you go. So that's what I'm saying. That's like the most logical smart, use of magic. It's a smart use of magic. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Best. I mean, if, that's, so that's... if if the world exists where this Thunderbird can make it rain and make everybody forget, then yeah, why not use it? Well, I mean, you got to make people forget somehow, and it's 1920. Everybody's going outside in the rain. Half the people are like, "Fuck, I haven't showered in six days." Thank God. <laughs> yeah, and then they're just they forget everything after the fact. This rain smells like Arizona. What's going on here? Fuck yeah, this is dope. It smells dry and not damp and fucking moist. So I went a different route here, and I need you to stick with me. No. I went Half-Blood Prince, the protections in the cave around the Horcrux. It's super evil, all right? Super evil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on Front Street, but it's also super effective and super powerful. You got to give a blood sacrifice to get in, then you got to find the invisible boat, get across the Lake of Inferi, and then you've got to drink that thirst memory potion where it makes you thirsty and you're seeing your worst memories at the same time just to get to the locket that's not actually there. Like, Voldemort did his fucking work on this thing. And not to mention the islands, the cave is out in the middle of fucking nowhere. That is one of the cooler scenes in the entire series. Yeah. Very well, well and, done. And, and you also have in that same scene Dumbledore using his fire to, like, defeat all the inferior, which is really badass looking. Yeah. I mean, they talk about how badass he is and... Outside of his, like, duel with uh, Voldemort. In Order of the Phoenix, yeah. You really don't see a whole shitload of badass Dumbledore moments. 
No, and so the the duel with Dumbledore or with Voldemort was an like not an, like a, a close runner up here. I had to use Order of Phoenix for something else, but that that was pretty close to the top of my list of, because that was just both of them flexing all of their abilities. So it was that whole duel that would have made it, and that was that was really cool to watch. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching that in theaters. It was just like, whoa, this is dope. Yeah. And then I had I do have an honorable mention here, and it's actually for best non-use of magic and it's when Hermione punches Malfoy in the face during Prisoner of Azkaban because he's an asshole that is pretty pretty great yeah. she's got a sick right hook shout out Hermione Just she could punch me in the face the any day later in the series she's a little young there alright so what's your worst use of magic by a witch or wizard okay I I can tell you this one makes me mad every time I even think about it and that's all the time and effort Arthur Weasley put into bewitching a fucking car. <laughs> what the fuck, I that, dude? I had that high on my list for the, the worst magical artifacts, the, the flying uh, Ford Anglier. I wouldn't even call that. I call it a flying piece of shit. It is a beater. And it's so conspicuous. Like, oh, my God, man. It's got an invisibility drive. It barely fucking works. It's whack. So it's it's a dumb use of magic when you can literally fly it's, on a broom. It's whack forty. Yeah, it's <laughs> whack chamber of secrets. Yeah. The whack secrets, whack chamber. Anyway. Chamber of whack secrets, I think. Let's go. Chamber of whackness and there secrets of secret whack. <laughs> Whackrits. There we chamber go. Chamber of whackrits. J.K. Rowling, I think you need to hear what we're saying. <laughs> Idiot. But anyway, dude, what the fuck, man? Like. Come on now. You can disapparate, apparate. You can do – I'm sure there's like 50 other things you could do to get from point A to point B. But instead you have a whack-ass car that sucks. Well, I don't think it was ever actually to get from point A to point – from point A to point B. He was just a tinkerer. He just liked muggle technology so much. So he just started fucking around with it and tried to make it fly. And look, it works to get them to Harry's house to break him out. It just doesn't work to get them all the way to Hogwarts. But I agree, it's it's stupid and shitty. Yeah, it's dumb. Then he gets destroyed. It's, was it like a sentient car, basically? Well, yeah, because it, it gets destroyed by the Whomping Willow, and then it later attacks them when they walk into the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, they, it drives off into the woods. It's like, the fuck is this? It's controlled so it's, by Flubber. That's what's going on. Man, that's a deep cut. Flubber is a bad movie, everyone. Don't watch Flubber. I loved that movie when I was a kid. Don't don't watch it. I'm telling you. Just keep keep your memories. Tried to watch it with my kids a few years ago. It is very bad. Burned my eyes. My worst use of magic by a witcher wizard is from Goblet of Fire, and this is very nitpicky. Uh, but it is the explanation and the I guess use of priori incantatum. And so, like I said, this is super nitpicky, and it's it's one of those, well, they got the books wrong kind of things, but it's stupid how they did it, so I have to pick on it here. It's, it's just too stupid for me not to call out, because they, they go so far beyond what the actual spell is, and they get it completely wrong to the point where they should have just not said anything. So Priority Incantatum is a spell that is supposed to review what spells were recently cast by a given wand. Uh, in the books, they use it to uh, at the Quidditch World Cup to see who cast the Dark Mark when, uh, I think it was Winky, the house elf, 
cast the dark mark for Barty Crouch Jr. And so they got a hold of her and did the prior incantatum and, and saw that it came from that wand. Um, none of that's important in the movie, and it's it's left out, which is fine. Um, so then when Harry and Voldemort's wands meet in the graveyard, the sp- in the books, the spell somehow malfunctions, and it causes Harry to see everyone that Voldemort had killed because that's all his wand had ever, ever done was kill people. Well, that was like the last few things his wand had done was kill people. So he sees Cedric, and he sees his parents, and he sees the guy from the beginning of Goblet of Fire, and all of these people who have died due to Voldemort, he sees that because Harry somehow triggered prior incantatum when they're they're locked in this battle. And but that but that's not what happens in the movie. They their spells just click and or like their wands just click and he he still sees everyone and they help him get back. Um so then yeah. he goes back and Dumbledore makes it seem like the spell is just when when Harry's talking to Dumbledore about it and he's explaining it, Dumbledore kind of gives the explanation and he just kind of mumbles under his breath, oh, Priori Incantatum, where it sounds like that spell is just when the wands connect. Um, it, and that's all it is, is is the Priori Incantatum was the act of the wands connecting, not the reflection of all the spells that had been cast. And so, like, in my mind, at that point, you might as well not even include it. Like, don't even have Dumbledore say that under his breath. Just blame it on the twin cores of the wands or whatever, because I think that comes up in the book, too, is that the twin cores is really what causes the their wands to clash. So why are, why are you throwing that term out there that doesn't fit what you actually showed us in the movie? So, sorry, I had to nitpick on that, but it was fucking stupid. I mean, you... That was, that was a fair point, fair nitpick. I have a lot about that movie, uh, specifically when they're coming down from the sky and they're like kicking the air, like they're fucking dog paddling in the air. That's so dumb. Ugh. Like in that scene where their wands connect and they're both kind of like floating. Is that what no, at the very beginning of the movie where Arthur, Cedric, and his dad are like oh, yeah, yeah, floating yeah, yeah. down from the sky from the, and it's just like uh, how they're just fucking like dog paddling in the air. What? is going on you guys uh, uh, if you have goblet to use of fire a... is kind of rough well i mean yeah yep. i was upset in goblet of fire that they didn't include all the cool stuff that the two uh quidditch world cup teams did like as their intros because in the books that's one of my favorite scenes is when those two uh teams are coming out and they they just kind of skimmed over all the quidditch world cup stuff which i get like they don't that, that's a hard really hard scene to make but i kind of wanted to see it too I think everybody did. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got another honorable mention here, but this doesn't really, really count because it's, it's not magic within the movie. But the quote-unquote movie magic of aging the cast up in Deathly Hallows Part 2 is absolutely dreadful, and I think we need to point that out whenever possible. <laughs> it's fucking horrendous, dude. So worst magic is the filmmakers of Deathly Hallows 2. That shit was whack 41. Yeah. Ugh. Very, very bad. Listen... Albus Severus Potter. <laughs> give, let's give everybody a little bit of a beer gut and just a little facial hair, and they'll look older. I, I know I'm 24, but uh, back in my day, yeah, they looked ridiculous. Jenny looked terrible. They did yeah. her dirty as fuck. They're like, yeah, they oh did. man, we're gonna age her 50 years. I mean, really, throughout the whole run of the movies, they did her terribly, and, and at every chance they got, every mm. thing they tried to do with Jenny was just like completely missed the mark. Except Chamber of Secrets. I think oh, they, they hit her pretty good there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so right, like so three the, lines in that movie. I mean, she got possessed by Voldemort for half the movie. Nice. They're like, this kid's a shitty actor. Let's fucking just make her a mute. Uh, so the best magical artifact slash creature. I chose Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, and I chose all of the Sorcerer's Stone. Because we get introduced to so many new artifacts because it's Harry's and our introduction to the world that there's just a ton of cool stuff. And after that, we just kind of get one or two new things every movie. So I just want to pick the whole movie if I can do that here. And I'll just list some of the cool things we get introduced to. We got the Deluminator. Super cool. Uh, Diagon Alley as a place is awesome. Hogwarts as a magical artifact is one of the coolest magical artifacts out there. You got moving staircases. Uh, the Great Hall where the roof adapts to whatever the weather. the weather is outside or whatever you want it to be. Uh, the Forbidden Forest is a cool place with lots of cool creatures. You got the magical paintings. Uh, the Sorting Hat Ghosts. is dope. Ghosts. Uh, Quidditch. A lot of cool stuff with Quidditch That's and the bad, Snitch yeah. and the Bludgers and all that. Um, all of the challenges that they built to get to the Philosopher's Stone is really cool. The Philosopher's Stone itself is really cool. Uh, you got the Mirror of Erised and the Invisibility Cloak all get introduced in the Sorcerer's Stone. And I, I think you just got to give it up for the whole movie at that point. The world building is intense. Yeah. Like they, they introduce a lot of stuff. Literally. And, and then they're just like, ah, fuck it. We don't need any more stuff in the next eight movies. You know what a howler is. Let's do it. Yeah. We got a howler. We got the Remember All. The Nimbus 2000. Yeah. The Remember All is kind of whack. The remember us fucking dumb. Here's the thing that'll help you remember something, but you don't actually remember what you forgot. Dude, so where do you fucking put that? I never see anyone pick like take anything out of their pockets. Do they have po- fucking pockets? Yeah, they got pockets in their robe. What are they? I mean, why would he not just keep that in his goddamn pocket? He fucking did, idiot. and then Malfoy stole it from him. Because he, he took it out. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm fucking stupid. No, it Can fell out because they were doing the they were doing the. Uh... That's right. The flying so, lesson, and he yeah. got flipped upside down, and it dropped. I mean, Neville is not a great wizard, so you take that back. Oh, he eventually becomes one, but in That's Sorcerer's the Stone, he's best not. use of magic ever. In Harry Potter, is fixing that dude's teeth. Neville's glow up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got for best use of magic besides the Neville Longbottom glow up? The best magical artifact? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry. Or creature? Uh, yeah. I chose, like I said, I chose a creature and an artifact but but here's the kicker i said fuck the rules oh and i went with what i love oh you these have always been my favorite i've lost every one of these (laughs) (laughs) so i chose the night bus from prisoner of azkaban yeah i had that on my list fucking love the night bus man that is so cool. cool a bus that shows up if for any stranded wizard all over the main like mostly in london yeah, I think I, it's just London. I don't know if it would be able to go anywhere else, but the capability to slow down time, change their, I mean, basically change their mass, if you think about it. No, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to change your mass. You cannot do that, but they can, but it can bend shift. it at will. Yes. Um, It also is a triple-decker bus with a chandelier that's fucking pimping. Beds, you got fucking food and drink service, really great accommodations, but the fact that, I mean, I would just be that one wizard that's like shit-faced, leaving the bar and just like, oh no, yeah, I'm stranded. 
and they just show up and it's cheap very mm-hmm. cheap and you know yeah, it's, I, agree. I mean I just think it's a really 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 neat thing like really convenient and I think it's kind of universal for most older wizards or witches and wizards kind of like how you know the leaky cauldron is like everybody yeah. knows what the leaky cauldron is the I, so when I was going through these uh, for these two categories as I'm watching the movies, I pretty much just laid out every movie and picked the best and worst thing of like use of magic and magical artifacts. I just picked out the best and worst from each movie and then whittled it down afterwards. So I knew there was going to be cool stuff in every movie, so I was just like, I'll just in, instead of trying to make the decision in real time, I'll just choose every one from every movie and then figure it out at the end. And and the night bus was definitely one of the top ones from Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it, and I was going to pick something else, but the night bus has always been like my shtick. Yeah, if that makes, it's really cool. Makes everything, if that makes any sense. And I got a runner-up for best magical artifact. That's the Marauders map. Yep. Hella convenient. No one could raid Hogwarts. Kinda. Um, and well, then if for, you solemnly swear you're up to no good, they can't. I mean, that's. I made well, my wife made it a little fucking onesie for my daughter when she was super little mm-hmm. she had the whole harry potter fit it's the cutest nice. thing ever um and best magical creature i'm gonna get some shit for this i think it's a blast ended screw how did you know they don't no, even show up in the movies the basilisk the basilisk is pretty cool the basilisk is f- fucking super dope it's overly intelligent it can turn shit to stone, so you got a lethal and non-lethal method of dealing with your your enemies. Imagine like throwing that at you know a phalanx or something. But I except always... I don't know I don't know that the basilisk was trying to petrify everyone. He was trying to kill and eat those people, and he he just fucked up and looked at them through mirrors and puddles and shit like that and cameras. I don't I don't think he was ever like he didn't know what he was doing. Maybe he did. He would have to. If he was... I mean, you just said he was trying to eat people. I mean, if that's his goal Well, yeah, goal but he knows if ambition. he looks in their eyes, he kills them. So why are you not just looking straight in their eyes and eating them? I don't know. I'm I not a have to ask the basilisk. Yeah. But I just always thought they were fucking rad. There's a lot of cool stuff in Harry Potter, but the basilisk was dope. I hate snakes, but I think outside of just plot armor, that thing is damn near unbeatable. Well, and the venom of a basilisk can destroy horcruxes, which is important. That's very also convenient. Yes. And their teeth, they have terrible dental hygiene, so their teeth just fall right the fuck out. Just rip them right out. Yeah. Easy peasy, buddy. Some scraggly redhead can walk right up and just rip it out of your mouth. Give me that. Uh, So let's move to the worst magical artifact or creature. This one, uh, this was hard. This was pretty much the last thing on my list to, to choose. And I had to give something here, and at the same time, I had to give an award to the movie that I'm going to pick, which is kind of the downside of having exactly 10 movies, is you have to give something for everything. So at the end of the day, I think I'm okay with it, because most of this movie was more or less just treading water anyways. Uh, So I went Deathly Hallows Part 1 and the uh, the Horcrux Locket, which is evil incarnate, makes everyone around it assholes, tries to drown Harry, tries to make Ron feel bad, just not, not a good dude that lock it <laughs> not a good dude that inanimate object that yeah. piece of shit but what's funny i picked the same thing yeah <laughs> because that's that's really all i could fucking pick from that movie 
Uh, Deathly Hallows doesn't do like the first Deathly Hallows doesn't do a whole lot of anything. It, it's like let's run around in the fucking woods for an hour. What uh, I don't really get is like just don't wear it. You yeah. know, put just it, fucking put it in p- Hermione's bag. Right. Put it in a bag, in a bag, in a bag, and you'll be fine. Still yeah. safe. I didn't get it either. I guess I guess the thought is you could lose a bag, but you're not going to lose a person. Even though they did lose Ron, but, you know, whatever. They lose people all the time in this series. That's true. They're just fucking gone. Ginny got taken down to the fucking Chamber of Secrets and no one even knew for an hour. I mean, Harry went to a graveyard and then just showed up with a body. With a dead body, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, they're in the maze, they'll be fine. No, I want to hold him! Bardai Moody designed the whole thing, they'll be fine. They'll yeah, be it's fine. Just... I'm really glad they didn't bring to life all the creatures in the maze, because the Sphinx type thing, I don't think I would have been able to handle that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I know they had to like move through it, because you got to get to the graveyard, and you got to get as much graveyard in as you can, but like, the maze was pretty cool in the books, too, and they, they missed a lot of chances there. But yeah. it's also not cinematic, like, it's not very cinematic, I don't think. Like, the, the Sphinx sitting there trying to figure out the riddle of the Sphinx is not cinematic in any way. No, it's not. Alright, so what do you got for the best evil plan? The best evil plan. I got Draco being a thug. Finally being, like, I don't know, shifty. He came into his own for this, I think. Um, sneaking in a bunch of Death Eaters into Hogwarts covertly in the Half-Blood Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, if he did not give the monologue, I think things would have gone a lot different. Like you wouldn't have had, I don't think Snape would have really had to break his cover in front of Harry. If Draco would have just fucking killed Dumbledore and been done with it. Well, Draco couldn't do it and Dumbledore didn't want, like Dumbledore in in the books, he doesn't monologue, right? Because we, we see all that stuff happen in real time and that that's one of my biggest problems with half-blood prince is we don't see draco actually bring anybody in through the the vanishing cabinet we don't see him using the hand of glory we don't see like Ginny, hermione neville ron and luna drinking the rest of the felix felices and fighting against all the the death eaters that are in there stalling until harry and dumbledore can get back we don't see any of that so now we get to the the astronomy tower and the only way to find out what's going on is for draco to monologue but in the books it's dumbledore basically telling draco he can't do it and telling him that it's okay and telling him that he's lost but he hasn't gone all the way and if he does kill dumbledore then he's gone all the way over to the other side and you know dumbledore sets up snape to to do it like dumbledore wants snape to do it so draco doesn't cross the line and i I agree that like that's where Draco's plan falls short as he doesn't finish the job but at the same time he can't finish the job and still come out as somewhat redeemable he doesn't have to that's the the beauty of it like this dude has been a slimy little turd ball the entire series he's not good he is I mean he looks down on people he treats others like shit he actively hurts people attacks people bullies people this dude is a garbage human being but i still think it's a great evil plan oh it is i mean he's fantastically sneaky cabinet and or the vanishing cabinet and brings everybody in is fantastic that that is legitimately i personally i think i 
I have a relatively strategic mind if I have, you know, an end goal and I have time to kind of think about what I would do. If I didn't know about the vanishing cabinet and kudos to him for discovering it and remembering it, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I would have been able to think of that. I would have probably fixated on some kind of front word assault. Secret passageways, something like that. Something like that that would have been defeated or would have taken a tremendous amount of work that would have just tired, you know. I mean, he had a couple other forces. failed plans on the way there, too. He had the the uh, necklace that he gave to Katie Bell that was supposed to get to Dumbledore and never did. And he had the wine that he gave to Slughorn that was supposed to get to Dumbledore that never did and ended up poisoning Ron. So, like, he, he had some bad plans, too. Don't worry. But in the in the end, if you think about it, those plans achieved really great things If in the greater scheme of things, if you're looking at it from his perspective – because he created so much fear when that one girl got possessed, mm-hmm. and then again when Ron got poisoned. Yeah, he and wouldn't I have broke the, the love spell. The whole the only other thing I want to point out is it, Draco had to be redeemed because kind of the whole point of the story is that nobody's on been redem- eaten beyond redemption, <laughs> and even at except Voldemort. Huh? Oh, sorry. Except Draco. Voldemort. The reason Draco had to be redeemed is because the whole point of the story is that no one is beyond redemption. And Voldemort, even in his last moments, Harry gives him the chance to reconcile and redeem himself. It, at least in the books and the movies, he doesn't. He just fucking blows him to a million pieces. That's what I would have done. Because that's that's the only way to repair your soul. That's the whole part point of like the Horcrux hunt and everything is you can repair your soul if you show remorse and like actual remorse, and you can become whole again. And so Harry gives him that chance. He gives him that last chance to repair his soul. And Voldemort doesn't take it. And in in the end, he dies like any other person. So that's why it was important for Dumbledore to try to keep Draco from crossing the line. Because if Draco crosses that line and kills somebody, it's much harder to show remorse and to rebuild your soul at that point. And so that's why it was important for Dumbledore to, to keep Draco talking until Snape could get there and and, you know Draco doesn't understand that but the whole overarching premise of the story is that no one's beyond redemption so that's why it needs to happen I don't think she thought that far into it honestly she she did it's all there well I mean I get that but with Harry in the end trying to still redeem Voldemort by giving him that sense of you know an avenue to remorse when you just said yourself like if he kills people that's crossing that line that's that's losing a piece of you Voldemort's lost too many pieces you know there ain't nothing left of to redeem I guess is this is just me being nitpicky well, like yeah, yeah I fucking I mean... noticed this is what we do on these though yeah it's no, Harry no, no, Potter I... I deserve to be nitpicky <laughs> You can be, and and so it's it's not that they're beyond redemption. It's that redemption becomes much more challenging. It's more challenging to repair your soul than to just be like, nah. okay, no, I'm cool. I'm not going to kill people. Yeah, you know. Well, once you lose a piece of you, I think you just don't get it back. Like you can fill that that hole with other things, um, like dicks, dicks <laughs> to the soul. New band I mean, name, dicks to the soul. New band name, I call it Soul Dick. Alright, so my best evil Dick plan... Dick Soul. I'm going out left field here, and I'm going <laughs> Crimes, uh, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. 
Okay. So Ritterwald's plan here is to just basically mirror Hitler's rise, right? He blames Muggles for the ongoing wars, shows them visions of World War II coming on the horizon right after World War World War One's pretty much over. Uh, he tells skilled wizards the things they want to hear to kind of gain their trust and get them on his side. He does that most notably with Queenie and uh, like telling her that in his world she can be with Kowalski, which 100% isn't true, but it doesn't matter. He's telling her what she needs to hear to get her legitimate skills. Uh, he gives captivating speeches with stunning visuals. V- really important there. Uh, he makes sure to pick up powerful wizards with very specific strengths to aid him, like Queenie, like Credence, um, and some of his other followers is they are very good at one specific thing, so none of them can overpower him, but they have these things that he doesn't necessarily have to, to help him out. Um, and again, it, it's it's horrific, and it's an evil plan, but it's also effective as far as evil plans go. He walks out of Crimes of Grindelwald pretty much at the top of his game, and I think we're only going to see him go downhill after that. I wonder who they're going to get to play Grindelwald. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Ooh. Yeah. That's going to be way better than Johnny Depp. I See, I'll watch that. Grindelwald, I mean, man, I fucking hated that movie. It was so boring. Didn't he escape? It was, wasn't his escape in the first, like, ten minutes? Yeah. He, he got – it's the best scene of the movie, and it happens in the – it's the very first scene. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty solid plan. That's rough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that Getting out of there is a very good plan, but I, I don't think that's his full evil plan. I had that on Best Use of Magic of him uh, getting out of all that because he switches places with some guy, uses a creature to attack one of the guards, and he just he's just firing at a thousand in that, which is it's a really cool scene. But he's like, thank God that all worked out. I can't believe it. And so I think this is a good time before we go on to your answer to get out my thoughts on Nagini uh, before we go too far because I think they're important and I, this is it. this is where we're talking about crimes of Grindelwald so I got to put them out here. A lot of people had issues with the reveal about G- Nagini being a maledictus and basically later becoming this woman who later becomes Voldemort's slave more or less. Um, and I don't I don't think that's what happens with her. You know, we haven't seen that story play out, but I'm pretty sure that's... I don't think she becomes his slave. I think she is... I, I think Voldemort seems to truly care about Nagini, the snake-slash-person, um, and it's my theory that Nagini is kind of the closest thing he has to an actual confidant. Um, at, at some point between Crimes of Grindelwald and Goblet of Fire she fully transforms into a snake and can't turn back into a person. Uh, And she is... Voldemort finds her in the Albanian wilderness. That's something that's said somewhere, that that's where he finds her. So he spent a lot of time in the Albanian wilderness. uh, First, when he first, like, leaves Borgen and Burks, when he's still Tom Riddle, he hasn't quite risen to power. um, But he's just out there trying to learn some dark magic. And he goes out there... Uh, and then he eventually comes back to interview for the Defense Against the Dark Arts job. But all that time in between, he's in Albania just wandering around. And then after he dies and turns into like the ghost spirit thing, he goes back out to the Albanian wilderness. And that's where he meets up with Quirrell and like convinces him to join in this bond or, or overtakes him or however he gets Quirrell to, to go along with that plan for uh, Sorcerer's Stone. So he's hey, like, man, I'll suck your dick. Just let me fucking feel the back of your head. Get some unicorn blood up in here. This shit. 
So sometime in that time, he's spending all his time in Albania. So I, I think at some point he runs into this snake that he can talk to. And whether he's, you know, I think he's probably ghost Voldemort at that time. And she's snake person. And I think this girl snake is out there. She's no longer a human trying to make it on her own as a snake. And, but she's not really a snake. So she doesn't know how to do that. Maybe she can't communicate with the snakes. Maybe she just doesn't know how to survive as only a snake. And then she just happens upon this one person or ghost thing that can still talk to snakes. Voldemort's the only person that can do that at the time, that can talk to snakes. So now they, they both have somebody that they can converse with. And in Voldemort's eyes, it's somebody he can tell secrets to. He can kind of bounce things off of without, like, she's trustworthy because she literally can't tell anybody else. Yeah, I was about to her, say. For her, it's the one person she can talk to because it's literally the one person she can talk to and, like, can reflect on what it was like for her to be a human so i think they actually build somewhat of a relationship and a bond of being these outsiders and the, and the only ones who understand each other and so by the time you know voldemort's back in his full power after goblet of fire and he keeps her by her side constantly she's not there as a slave she's there as a, a friend you know she's there as someone he trusts more than anyone else she sends him off to attack harry in godric's hollow by herself trusting that she'll get the job done you know and yeah, I, I so i think it's more of a friendship rather than this thing that he found that he can easily control and manipulate he had the death eaters for that he already had he was set on people to control and manipulate i, I think nagini is more of an actual friend actual confidant there well i think i think nagini is like his spirit animal if that makes any sense like his sure. uh i mean he he has snake like qualities i think Honestly, he would be a snake if he could. He's a furry. He's a scaly. Yeah, I don't think it's a furry. He's a slimy. And he's like, hey, boo. You want sexy-ass snake? And the snake's like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, what? Can you feed me, though? He's like, yeah, so we're you. on the same page. He definitely fucked me, ain't he? I'm, like, positive. They at least shared some, you know, steamy dinners over a nice she big gave rat. That, she gave him that good snake dome. He's like, oh, bite me. And she's like, all right, fam. <laughs> While Wormtail's over there milking her venom. Ugh, her ugh. Ugh. <laughs> all right, so what do you got for the worst evil plan? His fucking metal hand. like. <laughs> <laughs> worst evil plan. So I think it – let me just say it worked out, so I don't know how worst it could be. Um, but it always struck me as really silly. And that's attacking the Quidditch World Cup and yeah, the Goblet of Fire. There are so many. How did – okay, let me just say this. If that happened in America, that shit wouldn't fly. Well, also, all of the plans in Goblet – all of the evil plans in Goblet of Fire are bad. How many Death Eaters are, are even there? 50? 60? And you're telling me they – well, yeah, I can see it. But all these people are fucking armed. They all have their wands. Yeah, I think it's more of an element of surprise thing. You start setting off explosions and people just start running like crazy. I mean, that's... Just, uh, that's just what drives me absolutely insane. I think that's a terrible, terrible plan. Like, yeah, it I just, don't disagree at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's too much ground. There's too many variables... You want to make a statement and just kind of pop in and kill a bunch of people, but that is a good way to lose most Some of followers. your numbers. Yeah. 
Yeah, like if if this is a big gathering of Death Eaters, then of, I mean, of, but it kind of worked, right? Because Barty Crouch Jr. It, escapes it did. at that point. It did work out, and I mean, like I said, it ended up working out in the end. I think it was sheer dumb luck, and uh, but also at the same time, if your goal is to kill like high profile people, you fucking I, miss Harry Potter there on the ground. I don't think that was their goal. I think their goal was just to to sow mass confusion. Yeah, but I it think, was to just create terror. It it was where's security. Like, there isn't any. The, f- the fuck, bro? Like that is the only reason that shit would have worked. If you see all these fucking Death Eaters apparate within, you know, the Quidditch World Cup at night, well, while I think they're all there. Chilling. I think they all just had their KKK robes in their tents and just started putting them on. Where's the registry? Yeah. Let's follow the let's follow the paper trail here. See. I agree. I'm a, and, I'm a nomad piece of shit. <laughs> and the, the plan to get Harry to the graveyard is also very bad. Is All right, let's... Like, what if he doesn't let's, win? Let's just leave it at that. What if he doesn't yeah, get to that, the fucking... Yeah, that's the easiest part, but let's, let's start at... Let's install um, Barty Crouch Jr. using Polyjuice Potion as Mad-Eye, one of the most skilled orers ever. So let, let's start there. Uh, then we're going to gain Harry Potter's trust. We're going to enter him in the Triwizard Tournament for whatever reason. We're going to almost kill him with dragons. We're going to almost kill him underwater, which I, those weren't part of their plans, but that's, those are just things that almost happened on the way. Then we're going to throw him in the maze again where he almost dies and very well might not win any any way you shake it. Like, he was starting in last place, I think, for the maze, so he's got the least chance of making it. So what happens if Crumb gets there first? And I know uh, Barty's in there, like, making sure nobody else makes it and he imperious crumb and all that but what what happens if harry doesn't get there for what if harry just like gives up and he's like fuck it i don't want to win this damn cup too many variables yeah way too many variables way too many moving parts and then when like all right you got barty there already he's already gained harry's trust just turn something in your office into a port key and be like hey harry grab me that cup over there let's have some wine bro boom <laughs> hey he's hey, in the graveyard bro. by himself yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that is one hundred percent. Like, Barty hand me my polyjuice potion there. Grab him, him my flask. Yeah, he grabbed him like a hundred times throughout the movie. Why not just grab him and apparate, and boom, you're there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Very you can literally slip plan. anything into his pocket when you grab him, and he's like reaching in there, like, oh fuck, what is this hundred dollar bill? He's there, and then it's just a porky. He would yeah. definitely grab a hundred dollar bill. You already know. A couple nah, Ron would steal it from him first. Ron would, like, smell that shit through the rope. <laughs> Harry, did you get some new money? <laughs> uh, so, hey, bro, you got a few galleons I can borrow? How the fuck do you know? Uh, no reason. <laughs> that, that's not my worst. That's a bad plan, but it's not my worst evil plan. My worst evil plan was from... <laughs> from fantastic beasts and where to find them uh, i've seen this movie probably three times now and i still how could you do that to yourself don't fully understand grindelwald's plan i it's I not guess, meant to be understood no he's he's trying to track down the obscurious using credence because he's had this vision of credence and then he wants to harness the power of the obscurious which not possible or kidnap the source of it but for some reason, first he has to not only impersonate, but fully disguise himself as a Macusa agent so he can play both sides of it. And, and that's where it loses me. Like, why is he going through all that? He knows it's Credence. 
why aren't you just staking out credence and waiting for attacks to happen and then being like boom okay i'm here instead he's like doing this whole thing with Makusa and he's wasting a ton of time because now he's hearing about the attacks when they're reported instead of just watching credence at all times which is what he ends up doing in crimes of grindelwald he just starts watching credence and, and luring him in but like i don't get i don't get why he needs to do the whole graves bit it, it i think it's only there so the movie can eventually pull the rug out from the audience it has nothing to do with grindelwald being a great wizard or anything else because uh, if if so it can last two and a half hours. Well, yeah, that's true. If if he's <laughs> impersonating a Makusa agent to gain intel on the attacks, I, I don't know where he needs that anywhere. He has the vision of Credence. He knows the attacks are somehow linked to him. What is he learning from Makusa at that point? And, and how does he do all of that without ass loads of Polyjuice Potion? As we saw, like, Barty had to be continuously drinking out of the flask the entire time he was Mad-Eye Moody. It just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So it's a bad plan. Just off, go dude. hang out with Credence. He's gonna, he's spying. He's he's getting off on it, dude. Telling you. Yeah, and Fantastic Beasts, it's it's not a great movie. Um, it, it did, however, make the world feel magical and expansive again, because I think by like the last three or four Harry Potter movies, the world felt very tight. It felt small, it felt intertwined. Everything only happened to like six people uh, there's only like five spells that are using, but Fantastic Beasts come in and re-expands the world. It, it made it feel like anything could be done with magic, and I think that's how the first two books and the first two movies really felt is like... First three. I said what I said. You can do <laughs> anything with magic, and magic is cool and fun, and this world is huge, and there's a million things going on in it. It's fucking magic. And it's dope. You know, I, th I also thought it was cool in Fantastic Beasts in both those movies that we're watching fully trained adult wizards do the magic uh, just because for the same reason there. Like, they they know what they're doing. They're not kids learning anymore. It's not, well, here's a school lesson that most of you are going to fuck up some way. It's, we already learned all the shit. We know what we're doing. We're just going to use spells and be badasses. And, and that's really cool to watch. That's fair. That's okay. The world building within the Fantastic Beasts movie is a lot better than any of the plot lines in either movie. Which is all I'm really interested in Harry Potter anyways. Is like, I just want to see what can be done in this world. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Which brings us to our final award, the best win for Harry Potter. Uh, this is pretty easy. It comes in Deathly Hallows Part 2. He defeats Voldemort. You don't think that's his best win? No. Okay. Uh, well, let me let me lay it out for you. Maybe you'll agree with me at the end. Otherwise, you can continue <laughs> no, to disagree. I mean, I mean, you're right, but you're, <laughs> you're wrong. Okay. Well, so not only does he <laughs> defeat him here, but he explodes him into a million pieces, right? And I don't want to forget all the steps it takes to actually get there. And these are all things that we see in this movie. He's got to infiltrate Gringotts and Bellatrix's vault to get Hufflepuff's cup. Uh, he's then got to break into the school. He's got to find the diadem and escape the dumbass Slytherin's fiend fire that they set off in the room of requirement. Uh, he's got to figure out that he's the true owner of the Elder Wand and trust that it actually means something. He has to learn about his destiny from all of Snape's memories and build up the courage to go confront Voldemort. Uh, he uses the Resurrection Stone. He confronts Voldemort. He dies. 
He's got a nice discussion with Ghost Dumbledore. Ghost Ghostledore? Is that what we'll call him? Uh, Dumble Ghost. Dumble Ghost. There we go. Returns from the dead, waits until Nagini is actually dead, and then actually kills Voldemort. And all the while, not knowing how or what any of the Horcruxes actually are, because the movie did such a terrible job setting up how they should have discovered them. That's a lot for Harry to do in that one movie. Yeah, it's a lot to do, but I just don't find it to be the best It's a big win. win. The Dark Lord is dead for real this time. It's a big one. It is a big win, and he, you know, there's some major detractions from it, though. That's that's all. That's my kind of whole. Right, I think there's too much got. taken away from oh, it. There's a, yeah, there's a lot taken away. Let's um, hear what you got. Best win, I got defeating Quirrell in the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. Uh, mostly because he didn't have to do too much, obviously. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing quite yet. Um, I just kind of fell into it. But that was, I mean, I think that was a major eye-opener for what the fuck he was going to experience. Like, that would have been so incredibly frightening. So you have this terrible upbringing. You find out you're a fucking super special wizard. You go to this awesome school. These teachers are basically parents to you, or the closest things you've had to, to, to people that care about you and try to teach you things like parents would in your entire life. And then you find out this dude who no one will even really talk about is like a half baby head attached to one of your teachers while at the same time he falls to pieces because of just the strength of love your mother had so i mean he's grown up his entire life like i mentioned prior everyone's ragging on his mom everyone's ragging on his family especially aunt petunia for being her sister Mm, and uh, <clears throat> fucking hated her guts. She, she probably shit Let's on talk her. Let's about for a second the, these parents that name their kids Petunia and Lily. Like, come the fuck on. You can't yeah, think you of better fucking names. fucking flower childs. Yeah. Get out of here, you hippies. Ugh. But that, I think, is is pretty pretty cool for Harry. It, it, it's, it's the catalyst for absolutely everything. Yeah. And at the same time, learning that the Sorcerer's Stone exists. So he's simultaneously forced to to grow up dramatically while he's getting the best crash course of magic use and the range and potential of magic that anyone in the history of fucking magic has gotten. When you see a stone that makes you live forever in the Sorcerer's Stone, the basic resurrection of the Dark Lord, so you're privy to very critical information as well. So I think he wins on multiple fronts. He set fucking Voldemort back fucking's gonna be a big word this episode he uh fucking Voldemort he learned the range of of life to a certain extent and he also learned more of his past he just this is his great leap forward Mm -hmm. it's his call to action and that makes sense and I agree with you on a lot of the points you made I I had Chamber of Secrets as my runner up for a lot of the same reasons um, I, I think getting into the Chamber of Secrets and defeating Ghost Tom Riddle was a little bit more challenging because he was all he was doing it all by himself uh, he had Hermione and Ron to kind of help him through all the challenges to get to the Sorcerer's Stone and again just kind of staring into the mirror of Harised got the, the stone from him complete luck and uh touching quarrel slash voldemort started burning his skin again that that's just complete luck he didn't know any of that was going to happen 
but he he has a lot more agency over the things that happen in Chamber of Secrets, and he's like in the middle of dying because the basilisk basilisk bites him at one point. So he's in the middle of dying, and he still brings the courage to fight back and fight on and stop Ghost Riddle from fully coming back and and taking over Ginny's life force. Um, but but it's this, it's a lot of the same thing. Is is this is his he has these calls to action which most 11 12 year olds would just be like ah fuck it <laughs> i'm I'm out let lockhart take credit for psych. this right yeah peace um, psych fuck this i'm gonna go and, get my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and so that's something that happened this last time that i read because when i read them the first time i'm a kid pretty much the same age as harry and so like it, it all made sense but when i'm reading it as an adult and i look back and i'm like when i was 13 i was a fucking dumbass i'm not doing any of this shit this this is a kid pulling all this stuff out and it yeah. really in the first three books is where that really rears its head is like he's 11 12 13 years old going through this and doing it with just absolute gusto that that's I mean, really that's really cool it's it, yeah it's pretty solid he's the luckiest kid in the fucking world ever he's the boy who lived you know all right so the worst win for harry is in order of the phoenix he doesn't really win uh i think it's safe to say in order of the phoenix and goblet of fire he doesn't really win at the end of either of those movies slash books uh voldemort lures him into the department of ministries on false pretense he goes uh that causes sirius to die they lose the prophecy while they're there uh voldemort goes toe-to-toe with dumbledore and i mean a great scene but like I, i think it severely hindered dumbledore there uh he possesses harry for a little bit and he gets away. So I, I don't know how at the end of Order of the Phoenix you're going, yeah, Harry, Harry's the dude in this one. I mean, the perseverance. Well, the yeah, he, he keeps coming back, but that was a rough one. That was a rough one. I I agree, um, but I went with something different, obviously. Okay. Uh, I think it was rough, but it was a a great way to sorry i heard thought i heard cry it was a great way to uh to culminate a lot of things without it being the fina- the finale you know mm-hmm. uh a lot of open ended but really progressive things happened in that that movie which most of it was kind of not that great no also, it, it's not it's also the shortest involved. one yeah uh, which like is they weird. they really took a lot out of that one and i think it's but I think at the end of it, it's it's Harry Potter's version of Empire Strikes Back, where the bad guys are at the height of their powers now. They they have the biggest win. The, the bad guys have the biggest win in Order of the Phoenix, I think. I guess it could be argued that Half-Blood Prince killing Dumbledore, uh, you know, kind of cementing that Snape is on the bad, the evil side at this point. Uh, now no one, I mean, they, they take over Hogwarts. Rising to power again. Yeah. Like, they're there. Oh, yeah. They're back. That's true. And uh, I, I, the only thing, the only reason I picked this other one is because of the tremendous loss of life, especially to all those people that are super close to Harry. And that was Deathly Hollows Part Two, defeating Voldemort, because so many of his close people died. And it, everyone there, everyone else has PTSD. Hogwarts will never be trusted again. And well, I, that's not true because Harry sends his fucking kids yeah, there. Safe is that train still pretty busy? Um, 
No safer place. So, yeah, definitely not. You know, there's nothing wrong here. They definitely haven't uh, put him in tremendous danger for seven years. Uh, but yeah, I thought that that sucked for Harry because it really kind of boiled down to the relationships he made along the way. You know, all those people are his family, and he lost very close. Lupin, Tonks, was it Fred that got killed? I think George. I think Fred loses his ear, and George gets killed. There's there's Might a the lot of people yeah. that that die. Yep, I I get how you're I I get where that's coming from. That's a rough win. Yeah, that on, that's on a hard Harry. win on the other side of it, right? Is the the win is good, but the cost of the win is it's not. a pyrrhic victory. Yes. And then I just want to point out because this is my order of the Phoenix entry that again Filch is the one going around removing all of the magical paintings when uh, Umbridge is kind of on her montage of shittiness Filch is the one taking all the paintings down so again he gets entrusted with dealing with magical paintings so I, I really think we're onto something with this Filch knows his shit with magical paintings I think anything that's framed because he also is a he's the a one hanging G. The things yeah yes he's very good at hanging rules and uh, do's and do nots that's true very nifty all right, those are all our awards we gave out. Just to recap here, we gave the best and worst defense against the dark arts teacher, the best and worst use of magic by a wizard or witch, the best and worst magical artifact slash creature, the best and worst evil plan, and the best and worst win for Harry Potter. So go back and listen to all those if you forgot already. Dang. So now we're moving on to what would you do, Nick? And the question is... What is the best adaptation? Which movie do you... Th- not not what's the best movie, but what movie do you think best adapted the source material? That one's really, really tough. Um, I'm torn between... I think it's it's uh, Prisoner of Azkaban that did a, a really great job. I have a really but hard time with Prisoner of Azkaban because I don't like how the werewolf looks. I think it looks pretty great. It's, I don't like it. it. I think the animation is not the CGI is not very good, but like today that would be fire. Uh, but I think Chamber of Secrets, not Chamber of Secrets. I'm sorry, The Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. That was my pick. Probably the best adaptation. Yeah, I think with Sorcerer's Stone, it's the easiest to make because nothing in Sorcerer's Stone really had stakes beyond Sorcerer's Stone. It it was more of a self-contained novel. Like there were there were some easter eggs here that would come up later in the movies like things like the Deluminator and uh McGonagall's Transfiguration and things like that, but they weren't they weren't necessary to make the rest of the movies and I think Sorcerer's Stone also best captures the magic of the world which is a super fun thing to experience and I think once they got to Prisoner of Azkaban and this is where I kind of disagree with you everything really led into future movies and it became more detrimental to leave things out of the adaptations where if you left parts out in Prisoner of Azkaban Goblet of Fire Order of the Phoenix those things often would come back in the books for Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. So when you leave them out of those early movies, you're either having to play catch-up in the later movies to explain them away, or you just have to leave them out and figure out a new way to do things. Um, and, and I think Prisoner of Azkaban is where the movies start losing sight of the important details from the books. Um, and they try and focus more on, instead of including details, we're going to look at how to make this the most cinematic 
Um, I think the first two movies do a decent job of keeping all the important details while trimming some of the stuff and condensing what's needed. But in Prisoner of Azkaban, we learn nothing about who the Marauders were before we meet Sirius and, and Pettigrew um, and, and see that Stag Patronus for the first time. So Harry has no reason to believe that the Stag Patronus was from his father because no one told him that Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs were James, Sirius, uh, Lupin, and Pettigrew. So when he's sitting there going, it was my dad, it was my dad, that doesn't make any sense because it was never laid was... out that those people were were Animagi and could could do that. I think in the books, Lupin explains all of that to him uh, when he gets the, the Marauder's Map taken away from him. I'll have to read them. Yeah. And, and um... the other thing, we get no context on werewolves before Lupin changes for the first time. You know, we see the, the moon and... Snape, uh, as the Defense Against the Dark Arts stand-in with the, the super heavy-handed uh, turn to the werewolf page kind of thing. So we don't really get any background for, like, we're going to see a werewolf, and then just, boom, all of a sudden we see one. Um, I mean, if you're going into the movie cold, you've never read Harry Potter. What a lot of people hadn't, though, right? Like, a lot of people oh, just watched uh, the movies. I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, I think there's a lot more people who hadn't watched the movies and you never get a stab. I, I don't think they established heavily enough why Sirius was important to Harry and how important Harry was to Sirius uh, before Sirius gets recaptured and he has to fly away on uh, Buckbeak Buck and whatever. I, I just, they, they have this very brief conversation in the movie and, uh, but, but it was all these conversations with Sirius that helped Harry go full chub on his Patronus when the Dementors were attacking <laughs> them, but we don't really get that. We don't get that he was so looking forward to to being able to spend time with Sirius and to be at Sirius's house yeah. and have family for real. Yeah, we don't we don't get that in the movie, and and then it's just all of a sudden, okay, I can do my full Patronus now because whatever Expect because I already did it. Up. Yeah, Shit. and I also just don't think they explain the time turn well enough. Which leads to they hundreds yeah, of hot takes don't. about how terrible it is at time travel, and it's not as terrible as people make it out. People who have only seen the movies think it's terrible, but like it's explained much better how it works and why only certain things work in the books. And and like so, you you get all of this these terrible theories of or terrible hot takes of well, time turners are stupid because you could just do this this. Why couldn't they just go back and stop Voldemort? and blah 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 but that that's not how it works so ah the old conundrum of book to movie adaptation yeah uh so that's why i have a problem I, I think sorcerer stone's the best i have a lot of problems with prisoner of azkaban i have a lot of problems with pretty much every movie after that i've noticed yeah uh so what's the worst <laughs> it's not uh i don't think prisoner of azkaban's the worst probably goblet of fire Ooh, that's a good that's one. the first one that, that comes to mind for me, it's Half-Blood Prince. I think they just cut out too much of Riddle's memories, and that, that would have helped them on the Horcrux hunt, and that leads to them really, really screwing up the Horcrux hunt in Deathly Hallows, because in the books, they work much more like detectives and actively thinking through puzzles and figuring out what Horcruxes are, why Voldemort chose certain things, and where they would be hidden, but in the movie, it's just like, nah, Harry just instantly knows because Voldemort thinks about it and lets Harry read his mind. So yeah, we got like, it. Come on in, check it out. Ha yeah. Let's smoke a few blunts. Um, and again, I'll I'll never forgive the movie for not including that battle that's going on while Harry and Dumbledore are gone. Like that is such a great scene in the books. 
and we we just don't get it at all. We just get it's Malfoy the, going, well, I let him in through the vanishing cabinet. It's one of the few moments that other people get to shine. Like, yeah. you, you know that these other wizards are truly capable, and it's really because of Harry. Yeah, well, and, and they use the, the... I guess Harry does drink the Felix Felicis to, um, when he goes and gets Slughorn's memory. So I was going to say, he never got to use it, but he, he did there. All right, so last and final thing. Do you think we're ever going to see another Harry Potter adaptation, and what do you think that would look like? God, I hope so. I hope they do it again. I know a lot of people would really hate that. Like, personally, I would hate to see them redo Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but Lord of the Rings got a lot of stuff right, as far oh, as I know. I've never read Lord of the Rings, um, but... I think it's an improvement over the books. Yeah, from honestly. from what I've heard is everybody who loves the Lord of the Rings books also loves the Lord of the Rings movies. With Harry Potter, it's very hit or miss, and people love the movies because they exist, not because they tell the story that they want to see, if that makes sense. Absolutely, and I think it would be a a fantastic like miniseries, like a Band mm-hmm. of Brothers, 10-hour, 11-hour. I think it's got to be longer. Uh, I think you could... I, I want to say have you know seven seasons yeah I, I mean in my mind that's the right like way to eight do episodes it. Is eight, you do eight to ten episodes per, per book yeah I just think that that would be too much like it would be a completionist way to do things like a lot I'm of a people would enjoy that <laughs> you and me both bro uh I think that would be if you're gonna do it that would be the way to do it and you let but you still make it or and construct it in a way that people can skip like an episode or two and it well, you can kind of totally tell side stories right you can tell uh it, it, let, let's take chamber of secrets you can you can tell you can have an episode of like neville and uh the herbology professor professor sprout working on the mandrake potions right that that's going to save everybody from being petrified you you can really you can kind of flesh out some of these side characters like neville who doesn't really do anything until the fifth movie except fuck things up where really the whole time he showed a, a proclivity for herbology that we don't ever really get to see in the books. Uh, you can you can expand on Dobby and house elves. You can expand on what's going on in the Forbidden Forest. There's a lot there's a lot of space to use up that eight to ten hours if there's not enough going on with Harry, right? Right. I mean, well, you could just do it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the old show Skins used to do that pretty well, where they would switch between different characters' POVs, and I think that'd be really neat. And I don't know that it's important for the first two books, because, like we said, the, the, the two-hour movies did a pretty good job of including what's necessary there. But once you start getting into to like Prisoner of Azkaban, where you've got to explain who the, you can do a whole episode on what the Marauders were doing and how they developed the map. You can you can do a whole episode on Hermione time traveling back and forth, getting to all her classes, kind of things. Um, so I, I think there's a just, lot there. There'd be a lot. It, the payoff would be much richer mm-hmm. because it would. Uh, I mean, you obviously wouldn't be able to tell things linearly if you did it that way. It would be a lot of bouncing in between but i mean you can easily do that in a way that you can't really tell what time that exactly goes down and then it ties together at the end right that'd be cool uh and and like if you compare it to game of thrones which game of thrones did a mostly good job of adapting the books when they had source material and they took it to tv pretty well for those first four seasons where they had good source material for 
and I think Harry Potter is a lot more linear and adaptable than Game of Thrones ever was. There's not as many point of views. There's not as many things going on. Um, so I think it, it can be done. Excuse me. I it can be done. Agree. And we've seen the blueprint for it now. And I agree that it's it's different than Lord of the Rings. I think a lot of people want a true adaptation because the last three or four movies were really, really missed the mark. They didn't hit the plot points that needed to be hit because they were making the movies before the books were out and didn't know what was important. And, and that was a problem. Well, yeah. And I think I hate to say the advancement in CGI, but that would be a tremendous factor. And the purely the budgets. Yeah. I think if HBO picked that up, well, I don't think they can. I think uh, Peacock owns all the movies right now. Okay. Um, but I, I think, I think they're owned by the same one as HBO. Yeah, I I think Warner. I think Warner owns it all, anyways. (laughs) Uh, And it's all very confusing with who streams what and what goes where now. But I I think if it happens, they'll definitely wait till Fantastic Beasts. The movies are over uh, before they try and do anything else. I think J.K. Rowling wants to finish that, which I hope they do because I know no one else cares. But I'm still pretty interested to see what happens in the rest of the Fantastic Beasts movies. I don't think it's good that the last thing that we see is uh, here's a new hidden Dumbledore and we're just never going to cover that again. That would be really shitty if we never got back to that point and resolve that. So like, I'm interested to see that. And I, I really want to see out of them how a Horcrux is actually made. That's one of the things that's always interested me is like, what is that actual process that goes into that? And I think we'll probably see Grindelwald try it at some point in those movies. I'm there for it. I mean, I, I hold Harry Potter near and dear. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think most people's hesitancy with getting a new adaptation is the the actors that were in the original were so perfect. It would be very hard to replace any of them. And they were all shitty actors. The child actors are now are fucking awesome. Think like the Stranger Things kids. Those yeah, are actually good actors. I, Daniel Radcliffe would be but... a great James Potter. Yeah. And just have Ron be you know fucking Arthur. Rupert Grin is just ronald weasley's dad arthur Ah, weasley he could be dumbledore that was always the theory is that uh dumbledore is a time traveling ronald weasley or some shit like that that's a dumb theory that was an early theory yeah uh calvin's like fuck you man i wrote that shit no i didn't write that uh but yeah i i just think i i think those those three especially have embodied who the the golden trio is so well like emma watson's fantastic and I like Daniel Radcliffe and pretty much everything he's done. Rupert Grint hasn't done much else, but like those three are, if you look at them, they're Harry, Ron and Hermione. And like the guys who played the twins were very good. The, the, uh, all of the adults were very good. Gary Oldman is serious. Uh, Dumbledore is probably the exception. Richard Harris was really good, but then Michael Gambon wasn't as good. Uh, Maggie Smith as McGonagall was so good. Uh, David Thewlis as Lupin was so good. Uh, Peter Pettigrew as Scout, or uh, whoever plays Peter Pettigrew was perfect as Rat Guy. Uh, Ray Fiennes <laughs> was guy. great as Voldemort. Like th- those are trap. the things that are going to be hard to replace that, that people will have a hard time overlooking if the casting isn't perfect for the new ones. I think they'd be able to do it. But yes, you make very good points. And a lot of these actors just bring them back anyways, right? They're still out there. Bring him back in some capacity. Or or just like David Thulis could still be Lupin. Like bring him in. Who cares? Just do it like Power Rangers did. Have forty year olds play an eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen year olds. 
Fuck it. Power Rangers were freshmen <laughs> in high school. <laughs> like 40. All right, you got any more thoughts on the Harry Potter movies? I do not, man. This has been either. a pleasure. Yeah, always great talking to Harry Potter. This will be our last Harry Potter episode, unfortunately. We might get a little more Harry Potter talk in, in finale month if it, if it comes up naturally in one of those conversations. Uh, but a lot of fun, as always, to talk Harry Potter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter if you've got your own Harry Potter hot takes or want to tell us what you do or don't like about the movies. That's at APA something or at alone underscore podcast. We're always there listening. Um, you can check out our merch at tpublic.com. Just search a podcast about something. Um, as we said, this is our last Harry Potter episode because this show is coming to an end at the end of July. And I will be moving on to a new podcast about season three of various TV shows called The Magic Number is Three. And uh, you can follow that on Twitter at Magic3TVPod. And uh, you can always listen to Nick on the You Are All Alone podcast. Do you, you want to give an update on that? Yeah. Check us out on AlonePodcast.com. There we go. Or any podcast catcher out there. All right. And thank you always to those cats for providing the music for a podcast about something. And you guys stay sassy. Stay classy.